Our second reading is from John 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, Lazarus of Bethany of the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus. Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, overcome our grief with your abundant life this morning. Amen. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Today we hear one of the most famous stories uh, of Jesus in any, any of the four Gospels, this raising of Lazarus from the dead after he had been laying in the tomb for four days. And I'm going to try something a little different for the sermon today, uh, and I'm open to hearing afterwards uh, how you think it goes, what you all think. Uh, experiments don't always work out, but I won't know without feedback, so let me know. Uh, but rather than hearing the whole reading, which is quite long, and then preaching an entire sermon after the reading, I I'm asked Joan, as you may have noticed, only to read the first few verses of the reading, and then the rest of it's going to be interspersed with the sermon. So it'll go back and forth between scripture reading and sermon, and you'll have to let me know how it goes. It's a little uh, bit of an experiment for me. Well, our reading opens today, as we heard, by introducing some new characters that we haven't yet heard from, at least not in John's gospel. These three siblings, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Now, we're all familiar, probably, with that story of Mary and Martha in Luke's gospel, not John's, of Martha busy doing the work of hosting while Mary sits and listens to Jesus teach, and Martha comes in and tells Jesus to order Mary to help her with the work of hosting all these people, and uh, Jesus responds to Martha, 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 you are busied and worried about many things, but only one is necessary. Uh, maybe you remember that story, especially if you identify with Martha. I find people really remember that story when you identify with Martha. Well, that story is not in John's gospel. So this is the first time in John's gospel that we're meeting uh, these three siblings, uh, so Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. Immediately, we see that something is wrong because Lazarus is sick, sick enough that his sisters decide to send a message to Jesus to let him know. Now, Jesus, at this point, he's left Jerusalem. He's gone across the Jordan River. He's in the place where John the Baptist had been baptizing. And we don't know exactly how long it took the message to get to Jesus. It could have been uh, perhaps a full day of travel. It could have been closer to five days of travel. We're not sure how much time goes on here. But when it does arrive, this message that, Lord, he whom you love is ill, Jesus' response seems strange. I mean, we're told multiple times in just these first few verses that Jesus loves these three, yet when Jesus hears of Lazarus's illness, he seems to dismiss the seriousness of it, and he states that God will be glorified in it, and then he doesn't even bother to come visit for two whole days more. I mean, consider how you might feel if you were sick, sick enough to go to the hospital, not even sure you're going to make it out alive, 
And when you let your best friend know what's going on, he doesn't even bother to call. It might make you cause, it might make you question what he thinks of you. Though we are told that Jesus loves Lazarus, his actions seem to tell a different story. So our reading continues. I'm in verse 7 now. Then after two days, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and you're going to go there again? Jesus answered, Are not there twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble, because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was merely referring to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Well, if Jesus' reaction seems strange to us, the disciples have an even harder time of it. Uh, first off, two days have passed since that messenger arrived with news of Lazarus's poor health, so it seems odd that Jesus would now all of a sudden want to return to the region of Judea, and especially to Bethany, which is just a couple of miles, as we're told, from Jerusalem. After all, the last time Jesus and his disciples were in Jerusalem, Jesus angered the religious leadership even more than he already had, uh, claiming not only that he had special access to the Father, but saying, the Father and I are one. And at this, they immediately tried to arrest him and to stone him, to have him killed. But he and his disciples slipped away. So as you can imagine, the disciples are opposed to returning Jesus, however, informs them of Lazarus's death, and he makes another odd statement that, at least in my mind, seems to call into question his love for Lazarus. Lazarus is dead, Jesus says, and then he goes on, I'm glad I wasn't there, okay? Uh, and he gives part of the reason now, because for your sake, so that you may believe. This delay, it turns out, isn't just an accident. Jesus has made a choice. Rather than leaving immediately in an attempt to save Lazarus or simply healing him from a distance, as he did earlier with the official son in chapter 4, Jesus delays for a few days for the sake of the faith of his disciples. Now, at this point, the disciples really have no idea what this could mean. I mean, they don't have the advantage of knowing the end of the story. But there is something here that rings true with things that Jesus has been saying all along. In Jesus' view and the Christian view, it's not healing that overcomes death, but only faith, belief. I mean, as we heard in, Jesus, or in John chapter 3, uh, verse 3.16, everyone who believes in him may not perish. And in chapter 5, anyone who hears my word, Jesus says, and believes him who sent me has eternal life and has passed from death to life. Well, this doesn't seem to sink in with the disciples exactly, so Thomas finally speaks up. Well, we might as well go with him so that we can die with him. Hardly an inspirational speech, but it seems to work nonetheless. So they make the journey. Uh, continuing from verse 17. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. 
When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. Right away here we learn a key detail that helps us understand uh, what Jesus is doing. Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. Remember, Jesus delayed for two days. So even if he had left immediately when that messenger reached him, he still would have arrived to find Lazarus dead in the tomb. This puts Jesus' delay maybe in a little bit of a different light. Now, when he arrives, Martha hears he is coming, and she goes out to meet him uh, before he gets into the village. He's still standing outside of the village. And when she begins to speak, it's hard to tell whether she's complaining to Jesus or maybe just simply stating the tragedy of it. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And, and she goes on, and it becomes clear that if this is a complaint, it's no longer an angry one, for immediately she has this confession of faith. God will do for you whatever you ask. Martha, it seems, is somewhat pragmatic still, even now, in her grief. Rather than come to Jesus with an outburst of emotion, she simply confesses her faith in the abilities of Jesus. And Jesus, for his part, responds in kind. He gently challenges her statements of faith, uh, provoking her to make even greater statements of faith, bringing her closer and closer to the truth of what Jesus is up to. First, he turns from the grief of the present moment to hope. Your brother will rise again. And she agrees. Yes, Lord, of course, he'll rise on the last day. But Jesus pushes further. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. Do you believe this? And in response, Martha makes uh, perhaps the most impressive confession of faith so far in John's gospel. If you identify with Martha, this is the story you want. I believe, she says, that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. So having arrived at that statement of faith, she then goes to get Mary. Verse 28, when, Mary, when Martha had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. And they followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. Mary's very different from her sister. Martha is practical and strong, but Mary grieves openly and deeply. She comes to Jesus, followed by those who are there to comfort her, and she falls at his sleep, 
or at his feet, rather, and she says exactly the same thing uh, as her sister. Lord, if you wouldn't have been here, my brother would not have died. But on her lips, it doesn't sound as much like a statement of faith, more like a complaint. And rather than continuing the conversation, she simply weeps. And, And once again, Jesus surprises us. I mean, at the beginning of the story, it was his cavalier attitude toward the death of his friend that just seemed out of place. But here it's the depth of his feeling that surprises us. Rather than answering with a theological discussion, as he did with Martha, he responds with emotion that matches that of Mary, the bereaved sister. Faced with Mary's weeping, Jesus weeps with her. Verse 36, so the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he have opened, who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Well, the crowd of mourners, those uh, Jews from Jerusalem there to comfort Mary and Martha, they have mixed reactions to the weeping of Jesus. Some are impressed by the depth of feeling Jesus seems to have. Others hold Jesus responsible. Couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes have kept this man from dying? Couldn't he have saved Lazarus somehow? I mean, it's a good question. It's one we can relate to. But Jesus does not answer the question, at least not directly, but he orders them rather to open the tomb. And Martha, ever the practical one, objects, for she knows what sights and especially what smells greet them inside. Lazarus has been dead long enough that his body has started to decay. Whatever perfumes they use to cover up the smell, well, they are now being overpowered by the stench of death. But Jesus insists, and so the stone is removed. And finally, verse 41, Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I've said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Finally, here at the very end of our reading, we get to the event that we've all known was coming since the very first time we heard that name in verse 1, Lazarus. I mean, John tells the story exceedingly slowly. It's been more than 40 verses since we heard that Lazarus was ill. It's been more than 30 verses since we heard uh, that Lazarus had died. It's almost as if John wanted to convey the unhurried response of Jesus by the length of his telling. I mean, it's been uh, between Jesus's two-day delay, his long wait outside the village uh, to first speak with Martha and then weep with Mary, and then the fact that when he gets to the tomb, he pauses to pray before actually doing anything. It's clear that Jesus is in no particular hurry. Even though it seems to Mary and to Martha and to everyone else that Jesus has been far too slow in arriving, the reality is that Jesus has arrived exactly when he means to. Even four days dead Lazarus 
is not beyond the power of Jesus, nor is he too far gone to receive the abundant life that Jesus has to give. All it takes is three words from Jesus, and death loses its grip on Lazarus. For the past few days, in Parkland, Florida, and all around the country, we have been making a similar complaint to Jesus. I know I have, as that of Martha and Mary after Lazarus's death. Lord, if you had been there, or more specifically, maybe Jesus, if you were present in that high school in Florida on Wednesday afternoon, why did 17 people die? Unfortunately, I don't know. Jesus didn't ever explain his delay to Mary and Martha, and as far as I know, he hasn't explained himself here. But I can tell you it's not true. It's not true that those 17 people were killed because Jesus was absent that day, as I've heard said in so many ways, both by believers and non-believers. It's not the case that, uh, for example, a policy supposedly keeping prayer out of schools has succeeded in keeping Jesus away Uh, To my knowledge, no such policy really exists anyway. Nor is it the case that God can't or won't get involved in human affairs or that events like this week somehow scientifically disprove God's existence as if such a thing were possible. I don't know specific reasons, but I do know something about who Jesus is and that on that Wednesday afternoon and every day since, Jesus has been present with those families and that community and that Jesus weeps at the evil perpetrated that day, an evil which unfortunately is not an isolated event. And I also know that this isn't the first time that Jesus has, in our view, arrived too late for help. It's not, the first, uh, it's not uh, the first time that the complaint is heard that if Jesus had somehow been present earlier or in a different way, our brothers or our sisters or our children would not have died. However, with Jesus, there is never a too late. And while death has put those 17 people, along with countless others for whom we mourn, out of our reach, it cannot keep them away from him. Let me end with this. Events like those of this last week, they confront us with a harsh reality that this old world in which we live is dominated by evil and sin and that it finds its end in death. However, in Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the life, the death of this old world and us old creatures who inhabit it is not truly our end. For after he pulled Lazarus from the pit of death, Jesus Christ went to his own death himself on our behalf. And after three days, he was raised. And by his death and his resurrection, Jesus signaled the end of this creation and its false masters. And he brought about the first fruits of a new creation, of an abundant life uh, for his chosen beloveds who trust in him. This gift of faith has been given to you through baptism, through preaching, through uh, the promise of the bread and the wine, so that you uh, may live, so that though you move and live in a world that will one day be your tomb, you can do so confidently, for you 
Know that one day you too will hear the voice of your Savior, Savior calling you by name and bidding you to come out. So come out, people of God. Come out from your bondage, from your bondage to sin, to death, to the devil. Come out from your prisons and the stench which fills them. For even though you are mortal, even though there is much to fear, Jesus Christ, your life and your resurrection is alive and well, and he accompanies you even now. Live, people of God, not for yourselves, not for your own desires, not for your own self-preservation, but for Jesus Christ, who gives you life, who lays down his life for his sheep, who comes to Lazarus, to deliver him from death. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.